0: Oh, I love that. I love that.
1: Hey there. Welcome to the next episode of Feed Me Your Construction content. I am your host, Carolyn McMahon.
0: And the co-host, Joshua McMahon.
1: Joshua has already been demoted to (laughs) co-host. That that didn't (laughs) take long. (laughs) Didn't take long at all, folks. Um, We hear you. You want more of me. (laughs) This episode is about building trade partners, right, versus just vendors, the importance of trade partners.
0: Yeah, on this episode, we wanted to really dive into how you get through those tough times, right? It's December, end of the fiscal year for most builders, most companies. It's a grind. We're coming off two pretty hard years, but we got 20-something days left, and how many homes are you closing, right? Right. How do you accomplish that goal? And I'm a firm believer. We are a firm believer that you accomplish that goal with trade partners. And I know what you're thinking. That's just a catchy catchphrase that purchasing guys use or estimators use to get better pricing. We value our trade partners. Now, can you maybe sharpen your pencil a little bit more?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sharpen this.
0: So what we wanted to do was talk more about what is a trade partner and how do you develop a trade partner? And I thought it would be interesting to start by reading a passage from the book that I recently read that Carolyn's starting to read, which is uh, "Who Not How" by Dr. Benjamin Hardy. The quote is "The Pygmalion Effect and What It Means in the Home Building Industry." Have you ever heard of that Pygmalion Effect?
1: I mean, I think it was on trivia at PBR last night. Maybe what was it? It Was (laughs) Pygmalion something? I had no clue. Oh yeah,
0: I don't think that's the same Pygmalion. Oh. (laughs) So what is Pygmalion effect is what you're asking? It means that as people, we're either rising or falling to the expectations of those around us. When the demands are high, we show up. When they're low, we settle. That's essentially what Pygmalion effect is. And then to read a little further, you need an environment and situation forcing you to rise to the level of your goals. In order to do that, you need to increase the demand on yourself and others to produce the desired result.
1: Ah, the essence of who, not how.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. And I think what you find is trade partners want to understand what's the vision, what are the goals, they want to know that the schedules are going to be accurate, the job is going to be ready, they're going to be paid on time, they're going to be treated like equals, and that's your A players too, right? So your trade partners are your A players, your A teammates, So when we think about hiring internally, we're saying, oh, we just need A players. Well, wouldn't that make it easy if all we could find was A players? (laughs) The point is you have to build A players. You have to build trade partners. So how the heck do you do that as a builder? Carolyn, you were a trade partner for many years for your career. Sure. Did you understand the distinction between a subcontractor and a trade partner?
1: Well, it's interesting because I I think that wasn't certainly labeled like that. I mean, I want to say that, you know, trade partner is a relatively new, at least not concept, but it's, it's titled that way, right? I don't remember, you know, talking about that. I knew that what was important to me was schedule. Knowing the expectations going in before the job, communications, which seems, you know, kind of silly to list, but it is so critical. And then just job readiness. I think that those were all a big sticking point for me when I was a vendor, knowing who to call, having a great relationship with the um, job superintendent. And by doing those things, I think that I respected those that I worked with and then they respected me in turn.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I think the more that builders are leaning into their schedule, I think if you take everything off the table and you get builders to really lean into their schedule, walk their jobs, know the schedule is right, I think that subcontractors quickly start becoming trade partners because they know that the schedule is right, and most importantly, they don't have to pay someone fifty thousand a year to drive around in a truck and verify the job is ready for the trades to show up the next day. I think that is a huge piece of the business.
1: Right. And, it, and if it's, it seems so easy, right, on the surface. And it's amazing how many folks won't buy into that, you know, to, to get it ready. I mean, I, I don't want to have to make 50 phone calls to figure out if a job is ready. I mean, you've got your, you know, you're, you're ready to go, right? You've mobilized. And it's the worst thing, <laughs> especially if you're paying a subcontractor, right? Because the the, the trade partnership goes from top to bottom you know, as, as a vendor, I had to hire installers. And so I would send them out on a job. And if it's not ready, I mean, we didn't necessarily pay them for a busted trip. Or if we did, it was what a hundred bucks. What is that going to do, you know, to their paycheck? And then they don't, they no longer trust me. So maybe they don't want to work for me. And so it's all just this, you know, big circle, you know, that I have to be better and I have to trust you know, the, the builder who, whom I'm working with. And it's all just this trickle down, you know, as the builder now, while I'm not in that role, that active role, you know, building the house, I can still see how critical it is from a, you know, a documentation standpoint, you know, going back to that communications and expectations, which is a big deal.
0: Well, and I can say from experience, when I was a subcontractor, installing cabinets, and I remember vividly going to a job, It was my day to install cabinets in this house. First thing I see is there's four vehicles in the driveway, which already alarms me because if I'm installing cabinets, typically I have the day to do my my task. There's four vehicles. All of the cabinets are in the garage. There's no steps to the main house, which is four steps high. So I have to tote all the cabinets into the house. And what do I see when I get inside?
1: The trim carpenter. The trim carpenter. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Who has the same tools
0: as I do, and he is set up all over the place. And he says, no problem. We can work together. No, we can't. <laughs> I don't even get my tools out. I get back in the truck and I leave. And Carolyn did not pay me for a dry run that day. I lost wages on that day, and that's real.
1: Okay, so I paid everybody else. I just <laughs> I, I, I didn't pay Josh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because you were worried about the profit of your business, but you weren't worried about my profit. <laughs> so
1: maybe I wasn't a great trade partner. <laughs> you were learning. <laughs> I'm I'm a great trade partner now. And and I think that, that's great, right? We can start off, you know, not being great. And then we, you know, learn every day. We get better. But, you know, that communication part, right? If that installer would say, you know, look. I love working for you. You know, your jobs are typically great. I know that you're struggling with this. Let's work together, you know, cool. And then maybe he doesn't hit me up on a trip charge or, you know, a busted trip charge, but you know, those folks that never want to talk to you um, about what you're doing, right. What you're doing wrong. I mean, how in the world can you get better? Everybody, you know, acts, or maybe they don't, they don't act due to fear, right? They don't want to disappoint people. You know, they don't like conflict. And it doesn't have to be a conflict situation to just have a conversation with someone.
0: That is right. When I was a superintendent, first after getting out of the Navy, I said it on the podcast previously, I thought I walked on water, I knew everything. And not to say that I wasn't working a lot of these things and trying to help my trades, but I was not what I thought I was. And when I became a subcontractor, I realized how bad I was and how much work I needed to do. And when I came back to work another builder I was able to quickly elevate my business from my experience being a subcontractor, understanding the importance of an accurate schedule, really good communication and eliminating those dry runs. Because those dry runs were in the front of my mind and losing money on those days. Right, right. It wasn't just the trip. It was the lost money.
1: But, you know, what's interesting, too, when you were you know learning, right? evaluating things and things that you learned. And, and one of the biggest things that I think that you learned is that trades will take advantage of you.
0: That is a hundred percent. Yeah.
1: And, and it's like, you know, you know, you, you get real chummy on the job and, Oh, this is my friend, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm, I'm not saying that you can't be friendly. You can't be jovial with your trades, but I think a learning lesson for you in particular was that you thought that these people were your friends and they would burn you faster than anything. As soon as something went wrong, You were just, you know, you were just shitty.
0: They were all my friends. (laughs) And, And I'll never forget the great Barry Borden told me, these are not your friends. And I didn't believe him. They were my friends. And I stayed late after hours to sweep the house and clean up after the trades. I came in on weekends to clean up the houses. I came up on Black Friday. I remember it. Tile guy was in there. I came in to clean the house and make sure everything was nice and tight for everybody.
1: Right, and who who messed up the house? Who left a dirty house for you? My friends, your friends.
0: So I was happy to help them. (laughs) Now, the day that I got laid off due to the the housing market bubble burst and everything else, in that bad time, I didn't have any friends. Where were they? Nobody answered my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was who is this? Nobody was interested in helping me. It was the the worst and best experience of my building life.
1: Well, certainly from a learning experience for sure.
0: I had to learn that lesson the hard way. and Now I'm teaching people that and they're like, no, 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 these these are my friends. And I'm like, I'm your friend, (laughs) but you don't have any friends outside of this circle.
1: (laughs) And that's, and that's, and we're not trying to say that you can't have, you know, a friendly relationship, still have a professional relationship. I mean, we have lots of professional relationships, do we see these people outside of the, you know, business hours? Not many. And that's okay. Would we still? But we can still take what we've learned, right? And not be taken advantage of.
0: We do see some of these people outside of work. Jeff Hall we see outside of work. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, if, if you're my quote unquote friend in this industry, I am harder on you than anybody else.
1: For sure. Why do you think I beat up Josh so much? <laughs> Oh yeah, here we yeah, go. Yeah, right. I mean, I knew it was he. He was capable of, but you know, getting back on track. Th- that whole trade partner and and what it means. You know, from an estimating standpoint, you know, a trade partner, like you mentioned earlier, someone that's going to give you a you know a great deal on it. But then when that trade partner does something, you know, that you don't like, oh well, then he's not a value. You know, trade partner. And that's not exactly true.
0: It's not true, and and that's the thing is that you have to have. Back to the communication piece, so if they're, if they're a trade partner of yours and they make a mistake or something goes wrong, are we communicating back to them to let them know the feedback, let them know what the expectation was? Did we let them know the expectation up front? But now we have a mistake, do you let them understand the expectation, where they fell short, and most importantly, do you give them an opportunity to make it better or make it right? And and how often do we not give them the opportunity? Because it's, it's inconvenient to have that difficult conversation with somebody. We hate confrontation. Right. <laughs> we would rather replace somebody than have a difficult conversation with
1: them. Yeah, and talk about uh, you know, pissing off your, you know, your, your people in um, purchasing, right? Oh, it's so easy for you, right, to <sighs> just go ahead and just put another vendor in the system, new trade agreements, you know, things like that, insurance. It's so easy. <laughs> we, we often simplify the pain of someone else.
0: And people have no, if you if you haven't been on the hiring side, whether it be hiring internal staff or external staff, if you haven't taken part in that agonizing process, you have no idea how difficult it is to onboard a a subcontractor and then build them into a trade partner. You have no idea how hard it is to onboard superintendents or project managers and and how to get them into the process. And and I, I suggest everybody learn more about it. We'll talk more about it later. So scheduling is important setting expectations, and setting expectations starts at the purchasing level. Purchasing should be talking about the scope of work, should be talking about the expectations, should be talking about our core values as a company. We should be talking at that stage about what's our goals for this year. If my goal is to build 150 homes, okay, just just a random number, can that subcontractor handle 150 homes or am I only onboarding them for 25 homes? What's his bandwidth? If your bandwidth as a subcontractor is 25 homes, my, my size homes, and I want you to do 50, then I hired you to be a subcontractor knowing you're going to fail from day one.
1: Well, and, and it could be twofold, right? You know, as, as the vendor, um, I'll play the vendor. You know, oh, yeah, man, I can do it. I can take care of you. It's, it's no problem. And, you know, so many people, um, you know, want to get the work first and then they want to figure out how to get it done. Right. How, how many companies, you know, do that? Right.
0: Most most companies do mm-hmm. that, and but they're not thinking big picture.
1: Well, well for sure. It, or you know, the organization that I worked in, that's what they did. You know, they they want to get the business first and then figure it out. And it was just this machine. And you know, ultimately, I think that's why I left. It was tough.
0: Well, I think you're right. I, I do think it's two parts. I think trades will overcommit because they're excited about getting the work, and then they're under deliver. Purchasing will oversell and then, in a sense, set those trades up for failure. I think it's it's hard by having honest conversations and then doing a little digging. If you're on the purchasing side and you're onboarding a trade, what are the references? What other builders are you talking to? What customers are you talking to? What information do you have? How many crews do they have? What days of the week do they work? Do they work Monday through Friday? We had a plumber that worked Monday through Thursday,
1: 10-hour days. You know how many hours
0: he was on my job?
1: Probably not 10.
0: Maybe eight. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and our job continued to fall behind. And, and we struggled for that. And he was a great plumber, but he was killing our business. He never should have been put in that position because he was set up for failure.
1: Well, right. And so, you know, when you did eventually make a change, did you feel bad because, you know, he was your friend or, you know, he was he was tight with the owner or, you know, what, what other relationship, you know? Because we're we're very comfortable with the status quo.
0: Yeah, we don't we don't like change, mm-hmm. right? I think pressure and change we're we're not comfortable with that. Just leave me alone. Let me come in, punch my clock, work a little bit towards our goals, collect my money, and go home. <laughs> That's what we've become, right? That particular trade when we parted ways, it was a mutual thing. He didn't he didn't like. The pressure that we were putting on him to perform five days a week or to get more work done during the week. He was overwhelmed. So it was a very easy conversation to have like, hey, I like you as a, as a person. I like your company. I like the quality of work you do. But it's not fast enough for the volume that we're pumping out.
1: Right. And, and he probably, you know, grew to, you know, thank you over time. <laughs> he did. And,
0: and I've had great conversations with him since that time. It's probably three years ago. So I think it's just really understanding what the capacity of each trade is and then not overwhelming them. I think that's one thing we do really good in our industry is getting a good trade and then overwhelming them and making them a bad trade. And and that's why I talked about the goals. If your goals are 150, you need to understand what's the capacity of each trade that you're bringing on, and make sure you have enough trades. It's not just okay. checking a box
1: and quality, right? You know your A, B, C, your Ray Charles, kind of kind of Chris. <laughs> Listen, I use that term, you know, hanging cabinets because it's like, really, dude, are you blind? You know, it it's tough because we we have a trade. That is so busy that then they are subbing out work. And again, the, the um, you know, filtering down that information, you're, you're diluting, right? The, the company's information as, as as you pick up trades. These kids don't know anything. They don't know anything about you, your values. They're used to pumping out, you know, production work, jamming eight guys in there, getting done in four, you know, four hours or something, which typically takes an A crew longer and, and the work suffers.
0: Yeah, the work suffers, and then ultimately the customer is the one who pays the price for that. Sure. And and I think that's the big picture of all of this is we wanted to talk about converting subcontractors to trade partners. A lot of it has to do with, I think, these four points, scheduling, expectations, communication, and job readiness.
1: Yeah, and job readiness, I mean, get out of your truck, right?
0: The drive-by superintendents, I'm telling you, those days are long gone. The market shifting the way it is. Those individuals will be so easy to figure out. In trades, the work is going to be tighter. I think that they'll be more open to saying something. You think? No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, just, just like it, it, in any job, if you're complaining about something, then you're a problem. So you don't complain about anything because you, you just internalize that. It's just me.
1: Or you complain about it and then you're just labeled a, a complainer. You're a bitcher.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. So, then people don't complain or they don't say anything. But what happens when they don't complain or they don't say anything, nothing gets better. Right. And then they leave. And then we label them as a job hopper.
1: (laughs) Are you speaking from personal experience? Maybe. Gosh, I remember in the cabinet business, I would get a call from a driver delivering cabinets. So, you know, what kind of things are supposed to be ahead of cabinets, right? Maybe some drywall. Oh, no, no. It's like Mike's the driver's like, What would you like me with these cabinets? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, there's no drywall in the house. <laughs> so talk about job readiness. One of the best ones was when we were gonna deliver cabinets and the house had burned down. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Granted, um, that was not that was not something that, you know, you had planned. And, you know, being a good job a good trade partner, you know, <laughs> we had him up the builder. <laughs> For that, you know, storing the cabinets until they could, you know, rebuild the house. But um,
0: that's a that's a terrible story. <laughs> that the house burned down. It's great to hear that you, as the the subcontractor, stored those cabinets for the builder at no cost. And then I wonder if the builder reciprocated that that gesture, not in terms of giving you money, but just understanding the value of what you brought to the table was more than just installing X number of homes a year.
1: You know, and, and perhaps not. Because again, you know, people are really quick to um, sometimes give criticism and not praise, right? So, you know, did I ever hear, man, you went above and beyond storing those cabinets when I knew it was a hardship for you to do it? No, that, that never crossed the lips of, of anyone. That I worked with, but you know, that job readiness is so important because at the bottom or at the end of the day, rather, I mean, it it is about, you know, it's about making money and, you know, busted trips hurt your business.
0: You think about the busted trips, one for the, the trade. You think about the time that we just came through, right? If we talk about a job readiness, if I'm a drywall vendor, you've got me scheduled to come to your home today. I show up. Oh, job's not ready. I just lost. If I've got three guys in my truck. I just lost minimum of six man hours. You got to figure two hours, right? My time to get to the job, my hour to bitch about the job not being ready, and then <laughs> waiting for dispatcher somewhere someone in the office to say, okay, you're going to this job now. That's six man hours. Six man hours times $50 an hour?
1: Well, right. And if they're in your employees, you still have to pay them whether they perform work or not. Sure.
0: So it's lost money on that. It's gas. What are the gas prices been lately? Right. Atrocious. So Gas man hours, lost profit. Now, here's the bigger issue. We are in a time, at least in Richmond, Virginia, where trades, there's not enough trades to meet the demand. So not only was my job not ready, I took you away from going to a job that might have been ready, which means now my job's even further behind. Okay. So I didn't, just, I didn't just hem up the drywall mm-hmm. vendor. I hemmed up the drywall vendor and maybe two other builders that are in the market
1: yeah and then, and as the person as the drywall guy, you know then your job is ready. It's like well i'm sorry i'm 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 on this other job right yes. and then and then you're the bad guy because you can't bail him out.
0: yes, you're not just the bad guy, but now the the super the person running the job says they can't get here, they don't have the manpower to support the job,
1: which could be you know so further from the truth, and it's like you know how do you dig in and 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 figure that out? I mean you sleuth, you're like. A detective on stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I want to sniff it out because I want to know, is it real? Is the trade truly sandbagging me? And who, because the way I look at it is what builder is more important than me? Okay. Because I treat the trades with a ton of respect and I want to give them the space they need to do the job they need to do. But I expect the same in return. right? Right.
1: You're scheduling it. You're communicating. The job is ready. And then your super says, Oh man, they didn't they didn't show up. You know, they, they won't come when they're scheduled. And then yeah. you're like, Really? So That's first, unusual. So the first thing
0: I do is start digging into it and try and figure it out and put all the pieces together and then I figure it out pretty quickly and and we make a decision and we do what we need to do.
1: Right. Right.
0: But I, I think it's more important than ever before to have our jobs ready if we need them to be there.
1: You have to close a house. Yes. There's there's really no other way to do it right? So if you are, you know, dragging around, I'm still, I still have to pay. I still have to make payroll, right? Yeah. Still have to pay for your benefits and then pay for the products, you know, the cost of goods sold. And then you've got this super that's just dragging his ass, um, you know, not getting it done. And, you know, again, just stroking checks that, you know, that aren't yours. And um, it's, it's tough the carrying costs on a on a five hundred thousand dollar build I mean, like what do you think that costs
0: i i i always tell the guys it's it's two hundred dollars a day. every home costs us two hundred dollars a day, and if you don't have an activity happening, in the house is worth more than two hundred dollars then we lost money and I've even seen where it's a lot more than two hundred dollars a day, like the numbers are very high, and I think. The guys need to be thinking those ways. That's well, that's my money I'm giving away.
1: But, and again, maybe that's that part of that, you know, the, the, the builder or the organization, though, right? Communicating those important goals, right? Those, those wigs, right? The wildly important goals.
0: Absolutely. You nailed it. A wig is important. So, why is this entire discussion so important in the month of December?
1: Because we, we got to close some houses. we gotta, we got to close the year. We need to right? close so We need to make year. our numbers.
0: Yes. I want to make my
1: money. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy, and you know, in the last inning, bases are loaded, and you miss a closing. <laughs> it's, Look, it's awful.
0: Nobody brags about how great you started the year. It's
1: nobody, all about how you finish. Nobody
0: brags about winning the coin toss at the beginning of the game. Nobody even remembers that.
1: <laughs> there was a coin toss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even in home building, nobody remembers, man, they really did a great job digging those footers. <laughs> I mean, they were clean, put that concrete in the ground. It was great. No, no, no. They don't remember any of that. Even some of the stuff in the middle when it goes bad or it's really good, they don't remember that either. They remember how it finished. And December is all about closing. It's closing season. And if you want to close homes, you want quality homes, you need trade partners. And how do you get trade partners? Good schedules, setting clear expectations, and realignment on those expectations should you get off track. Sure. Great communication. You've got that phone in your hand all day. Use it for more than Facebook. And job readiness. You do those four things, your trades will start to thank you, and they will show up to your job like clockwork
1: that's it i think that was um some great points for sure let's all become better trade partners
0: well i want i want everyone to get better and to really value this and to build up our trade base because we need more trades we need more people in the trades and why would they want to come to the into the trades if we treat them like crap right?
1: They're or people. if we're a train wreck <laughs> right
0: they're people treat them with respect and what do I mean by respect? Have your job ready. Communicate with them. Let them know what's expected. Let them know when they're doing good. Let them know when they're doing bad. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And for God's sake, get out of your truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that'll do it. <laughs> Is that a wrap? I think so. You know, the highlight.
0: <laughs> well, good. That was a ton of fun, Carolyn. Thanks for uh, being the host tonight.
1: Yes, I am the host. <laughs> the hostess with the mostess.
0: Yes, that's right. (laughs) That is it, folks. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Bye, y'all.